This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stock. Recording, I'll put too much information on, as yeah. I do, but I have this, the world's smallest bladder. Hmm. So it's usually like the second we're done recording, it's like this. Oh, She's like, excuse me, second, gotta go. I'm like, I gotta go to the bladder. So, mm-hmm. so are had, we recording now? Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow, this, this is, is easy. We do sort of a soft <laughs> open where it's just kind of like, uh, you just start talking. And yeah. Just start yeah. Talking. yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So, so, so we wanted to. And most of the openings start off with someone saying, "Is, is this, this the show? It? Are we on? Are we doing the thing?" And we are indeed. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm glad we I did, met your expectations. We did, start, <laughs> we did want to start today by saying today is Friday the thirteenth. It's coronavirus it's day. It's coronavirus day. Yeah. So, uh, and that's we, if we're have, gonna. If you've been living under a rock, there's a huge thing that has happened. Yeah. It is coronavirus. Yeah. Um, do we get extra points for even venturing out of our house? I think you get like yeah. You get yeah. a roll of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it was worth the trip. They just gave us $100. <laughs> we did notice coming up here that the, the traffic is very light It today. is light. Traffic's very light. Yeah. Um, my sister went to the grocery store last night and said it was just a madhouse. Mm-hmm. Which we I'm, did, too. And we today did. I get to go to Sam's Club with my kid after Woo. we pick him up from the bus stop, so mm-hmm. that'll be a good time. But mm-hmm. we did want to – we wanted to lay that out simply because we're, we're going to kind of it's, avoid it, the conversation because yeah. by the time that this goes up on – Tuesday the 17th. As of right now, yesterday, they canceled all schools in Ohio. Yeah. So, like, they basically said for at least three weeks, all schools are closed, which obviously that trickles down to every human being on, you know, in, in Ohio in some capacity. Yeah. So, like, at this point, like, all public gatherings of certain sizes are, are canceled, everything like that. Everybody's yeah. supposed to kind of just social distance themselves is yeah. the terminology. Right. And so, therefore, the audience is not here today. Yeah. Right. The audience right. is not. In the, the live studio audience we usually have is very, Our laugh track is yeah. off today. I don't know what I do. That's what I should do. I should we really do track. need a laugh track. That would be hilarious. Well, it would make me feel better about my dumb stuff I say. I, I do think that there will be some benefit in that we have to learn how to deal with something Absolutely. like this. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, uh, it's not Syria. People are not mm-hmm. right. freezing. Babies are not right. freezing to death. Right. Uh, we have to learn how to harness our social energy right. yeah. into new and different ways mm-hmm. or maybe learn how to be alone. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> That's where I get stabbed. <laughs> this is sort of an extrovert well, nightmare time right now. My yeah. husband is so happy. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, oh I get to Hardcore introvert right here. Yeah. I'm like, yes. So we can, we can volunteer to be poll workers next week. <laughs> That's a really good idea. It yeah. is a good idea. I yeah. They need that. poll yeah. workers. Very little excuse to not go to the polls. Next 250 week. poll yeah. workers. I should do that. Are so. needed in Franklin County. Wow. We need well, to do that. There you go. But uh, the, wow. the reason we bring this up now is because it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of information that we we don't know 100 percent what's going to happen, especially um, you know our guests are from you know one of those places that puts on shows for large groups of people. Yeah. So I mean, like we don't know what a lot of the answers are, so we're going to try to avoid a lot of that stuff. But I mean, yeah. but we hey, still got corona- stories to tell. We got coronavirus stories. Yeah, sit around the coronavirus mm-hmm. campfire and let's all tell coronavirus mm-hmm. stories. We will survive. Yes, we'll be fine. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. But I'm really glad you guys came out yeah. today and well, thank got back you. safely. It's and a all pleasure that to be here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be able to still have this avenue. Yes. You know, just something where it's like, maybe this is the time that we do go back to everybody sitting around telling stories. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's just four friends sitting around a campfire telling yeah. stories. Nothing's yeah. on fire yet. Nothing's on fire yet. <laughs> yet. I should right? put a fire like in the. Middle. I don't think you should. Not, a, not an actual no. fire. A you theater could do, fire. Like, the, um, a like virtual those, fire. Yeah, like yeah. one of those cool, like kind of fabric, like with a fan underneath <laughs> fire. Do so like the Japanese really steakhouse 
oven um, thing so we can have yeah, in the middle. That's the word. Yes, that's, yeah. That would be good. So we could have some. Or just a Bunsen burner in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> How about a candle? Let's settle for candle for right now. I don't know. I want some hibachi. I'd forget to blow the candle. I think out I forgot to the eat. Down. Yes. Be bad. Yeah. We can so. learn to cook better. You know, oh, you absolutely. know, get the recipes if we can get anything, yeah. any any of the ingredients. Oh, but, that's true. Yeah. But, so except for toilet paper. Except toilet paper. Don't eat anything that's going to make you need the toilet paper. Right. Right. Don't try anything too new right now. Well, I noticed that the pasta was. Uh, the pasta's the, gone. The pasta's yeah. was, there's a big run on that. Uh, Do you think it's just because it's like a boxed A goods? lot of people don't know how to cook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and me on keto going, you know, yeah. fine, boil water, put in pasta, right. yeah. open a jar, and, right. and, and yeah. you have some nutrition. I, he's going to kill me for this, but I remember... I, I, Doug is a great cook. My mm-hmm. husband is a, actually is a very good cook, but he hasn't done it for so long that he's, I think, forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to kill me for this. But there was a time that he was making rice. And he's like, how do you, how long do you cook the rice? And I was like, it's on the package. I know, but you cook it. How long do you do it for? I read the package. <laughs> I know, but when you do it, what do you, I'm like, open the <laughs> but I think that's a, a classic example of the difference between you as the extrovert and him as the introvert yeah. he's going to go quietly to the side and read the package <laughs> and you're going to ask and talk and discuss with someone who has read the package yeah. because yeah. that's the way you take in information and it's very different from the way he takes True. in information but he still needs to read the package <laughs> <laughs> no and he will and he will and now he, he will. will yeah Yeah. You know, I used to do training for Peace Corps and mm -hmm. as my career, and we used to deal a lot with introvert, extrovert um, dynamics or differences. And uh, because people have very different learning styles, and that's an example of a different learning style. And Peace Corps actually is very extrovert oriented, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You have to go out into the world and Mm -hmm. explore new places and participate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't get any bonus points in Peace Corps for non participation <laughs> obviously so yeah yeah that's you, you're you're an extrovert aren't you i am okay although the older i've gotten i've become a little bit more balanced i will uh-huh. say okay and i think rick you're the same way yeah i i feel like uh my shadow side of you know I, 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 get, I do get energy off of people mm-hmm. but then and i need that yeah but then they can exhaust me okay. rather yeah. quickly, and yeah. I, then I need to pull back. And uh, but then as soon as I get some rest, I'm back. You're good and, to go. You know, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get that at all. <laughs> that's that's actually a little bit more like me. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm less like Doug. I can I I like talking to people. But. Yeah. Well, Doug does too. He's yeah. the what ambivert? Is that what we call it? Because he does, he's actually, Doug is great around people, but it does exhaust him. See, that is the chief difference that we always used in my work. Do people, at the end of a, Interaction? Are you? Do you have more energy, or do you have less? Yeah. And even though you might have enjoyed it, and it was right. very successful yeah. interaction, yeah. if you are more tired after it than you are um, energized by it, then mm-hmm. that's the definition between yeah. extrovert and introvert. Yeah. And uh, as you can probably already tell, I'm getting more energy mm-hmm. out of this yeah. set of interactions mm-hmm. we're having. And I yeah. think it depends on the interaction too. Absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> I get. 
we've all, all I get exhausted real fast with certain certain circumstances. We've all met the occasional wet blanket <laughs> who yes. puts out the fire. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and I'm sure a lot of people walk away from me like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the opposite is also true. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> so. Right. I'm sure my husband's like, mm, you exhaust me on a daily basis from talking. And, well, you guys have such an interesting journey. Like, where? So, where are you both from? We did. I haven't even said who's here. Hi, Rick and Peter. <laughs> Hi, Krista. Hi. Hi. Where were you guys born? Uh, I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. okay. And um, it, and you were born. In- oh, and I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, okay. but grew up most of my life after the age of four in Ohio. Okay. And do consider myself. Uh, an Ohioan. Mm-hmm. So, what city? Uh, Maslin, Ohio okay. is where I graduated mm-hmm. from high school. But yeah. I grew up in Northeast Ohio, essentially. Okay. okay. And so to come to Columbus was uh, very different for me. Yeah. Um, Northeast Ohio, Central Ohio, and Southern Ohio with Cincinnati mm-hmm. are very distinct places. Mm-hmm. Most yep. people who do not live in Ohio do not understand that. No. Yeah. Um, the people up in Northeast Ohio think that they are a suburb of like Philadelphia in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, people in central Ohio look to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati mm-hmm. has a tendency just to look in, inward at itself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to so, say, deep south? No, no, that's no, no, not right. No. no, they just look at... <laughs> they are just Cincinnati. They're very happy and satisfied yeah. being from Cincinnati. Yeah. So they don't seem... You know, they are um, happy there. So... Um, what brought you to Columbus from Maslin? Uh, yeah, can I back up a little bit? Back up. Uh, because I'm gonna t- we're going to talk about theater. Yeah. And Peter wasn't involved with theater, and for uh, so, but I ha- have a history there. Yeah. Um, and uh, when uh, I had an older brother mm-hmm. who died of AIDS mm-hmm. in 1988, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he and I were quite close, mm-hmm. uh, and we, as kids, we loved musicals. Yeah, uh, and we even started a, a, a neighborhood theater company. <laughs> uh, in Fort Lauderdale okay. that uh, produced My Fair Lady, The Aww. Music Man, uh, Brig- Brigadoon. Brigadoon. Brigadoon, Brigadoon because I saw the movie, and I don't think it's a particularly good movie now, but I loved it at the time. <laughs> I believed in all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, so, and then we decided to start a, uh, a company for teenagers uh, mm-hmm. called the Fort Lauderdale Junior Theater, and we did big musicals, and yeah. we were quite successful. And then my brother went off to college. Mm-hmm. Where did he go? Northwestern. Okay. And uh, for theater, right? Yes. Yeah. For theater, mm-hmm. and he was three years older than me, yeah. so I, uh, I was very devastated, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because we were so close, uh, but. Um, uh, and I left theater at that mm-hmm. point, Not, and uh, and the uh, the company went on for a few years mm-hmm. under other people's. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, I ended up going to Northwestern also, mm-hmm. and I. I my brother Christopher, Chris, uh, was not someone you could um, compete with. He was a bigger-than-life person. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I wanted to write, mm-hmm. uh, but I figured um, music, he went on to write musicals, uh, and I'll tell you that in a minute. <laughs> but I, I figured I would just go to, for fact, not fantasy, so I went into yeah. journalism. Yeah. And eventually worked uh, for Life magazine and for National 
Geographic magazine uh, for many years. And he, in the meantime, uh, wrote uh, two Broadway musicals, mm-hmm. uh, among others that didn't, uh, that were produced but yeah. didn't get that far. One was the biggest flop in the history of Broadway at the time called Via Galactica oh, wow. uh, with Galt McDermott, the, uh, the composer of Hair. Okay. Uh, and the next one was and called— And who else starred in it? Oh, um, Raul. Raul Ulia. And, uh, oh, wow. Uh, it was a it was a big sh- and Sir Peter Hall directed it on Broadway, mm. uh, and uh, it was why was it a flop? I mean, um, it was very it was not well produced. Okay, my brother wrote a rather intimate musical about space. Yeah, uh, and uh, the director uh, decided to um, to. Uh, um, Make it more spectacular, uh-huh. and and then there were some very strange calls. Mm-hmm. It was they wanted to simulate weightlessness, so uh, they had the dancing was all done on trampolines, uh, and okay. and most of the people they were on an ast- living on an asteroid mm-hmm. many many dec- decades from now. This was before Star Wars. Uh, what and year was this? Nineteen seventy three. Okay. Uh, and uh, so they they were all in blue makeup, uh, and so, long before Blue Man Group. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, but you know, there's something about the curtain rising. Yeah. And a bunch of blue people, <laughs> and it, on it, 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 on it distances. Well, they weren't on trampolines yet. Oh, okay. That came later. Right. Uh, and some were yellow, and some were orange. But you know, uh, th- but <laughs> but that distances you mm-hmm. immediately. Right. Uh, and uh, th- there were a lot of contraptions uh, the uh, on stage uh, before uh, uh, helicopters came in. They were still more more of the era. There were yeah. some uh, contraptions, and so the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. Got in the way of the storytelling, and, and it may have been ahead of its time. Absolutely, mm. yeah. I mean that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 right now that wouldn't be too odd. Yeah. And no, it's, it's, not, it's, not at all. It's actually got a, be a, a very yeah. interesting score. Okay, uh, really? Galt McDermott was quite a good writer, uh, and so, but anyway, it uh, it it flopped uh, royally. Uh, yeah. It's it's got a poster in uh, Joe Allen's in New York uh, on the wall that of all the memorable flops. Uh, so then he... Uh, Don't worry, it doesn't get us a free meal. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, you tried, could, didn't you? <laughs> so he, we asked. Yeah. <laughs> so he next uh, wrote a musical called Nefertiti, mm-hmm. uh, which um, uh, starred uh, Michael Nuri and Andrea Marcovici and Patti Lapone's brother, Robert Bobby Lapone. Uh, and that opened at, out of town in Chicago mm. uh, and got mixed reviews. Yeah. Uh, some people loved it. Some people did not. Uh, they had problems with the book mm. that they were trying to resolve, and the producer uh, uh, just decided he they couldn't resolve them in time, mm. and they did not take it into New York. Uh, but they recorded a cast album, hmm. which again some beautiful music, yeah. uh, and it became a, a bit of a cult classic. Okay. Uh, and so anyway, uh, when. He he was a victim of the epidemic mm-hmm. uh, in 1988. He passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, he was trying very. You forgot one detail. Um, he then went 
left theater and wrote the oh, screenplay yeah, for deal. the movie Fame. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that and, small movie. Yeah. There. And <clears> so <throat> he got an Academy Award nomination for That's the screenplay. Amazing. Wow. And uh, this this occurred, He after Nefertiti closed, he was in de- a desperate man. He was very mm-hmm. depressed. Yeah. And uh, somebody he he knew, uh, you know, who was, one two, was a would-be movie producer, suggested yeah. That he thought that the um, the high school of the performing arts in New York mm. would make a good subject, and he said, "Would you ask my brother if he'd do a treatment?" Uh, you yeah. know, uh, and so Chris hung out around there and talked wow. to a bunch of people, and he came up with this idea, uh, which that later became a screenplay, uh-huh. and then uh, a uh, TV series. Uh, yeah, I remember watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. I liked that one. <laughs> so um, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah and, revived and, the TV series a few years ago too. Yeah, yeah. and there was a musical. Uh-huh. about it which mm-hmm. did not have anything to do yeah. with Rick or his family but yeah. okay. but um, the movie and the television series both did mm-hmm. yes it's a great theme song for that too <clears throat> saying that mm-hmm. why can't I've got two Google. I'll look. <laughs> you know, every time there's an anniversary, the 25th, 30th, yeah. we kind of collectively as a group of family um, mm-hmm. watch the movie again. Yeah. And we're always surprised at how well it holds up, mm-hmm. which is, is is beautiful in some ways, but unfortunate in other ways that we're still dealing with so many of the same issues. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... <laughs> This is before Peter and I met. Yes. Uh, all happening. But my brother died. I didn't care, by the way. Thank yeah. you. No. My, my brother died, and uh, and he was, as he was, um, he w- he had a, uh, he loved a movie called uh, Les Enfants du Paradis, Children mm-hmm. of Paradise. Mm-hmm. And uh, you he. You say that so beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh uh, and uh, he was uh, hoping to um, convince the, the widow of the director to let him do uh, a musical version of it. She was very resistant. She didn't, you know, she was French and she just thought, oh, uh, musical, no. musical. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> uh, but anyway, he wrote. Eight, this would have been before Les Mis. He wrote uh, eight of the best songs he'd ever yeah. done yeah. Uh, to fit that mm-hmm. script. And a potential script. Mm-hmm. It's a big, sprawling movie, and uh, and it was very. I, I I was having trouble figuring out how are you going to musicalize this. Yeah. But anyway, he passed away. But he had um, he had read the lyrics and he'd played. He composed the music and he mm-hmm. uh, just basically melody and chords. Yeah. On a primitive synthesizer back in the late eighties, and uh, uh, I had to record a tape. Uh-huh. Uh But. The lyrics were on separate sheets of paper. Oh, so I, it's like a puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the day after he died, mm-hmm. the York Theater— Literally. Yeah. The day after, the York Theater Company, a representative from the York Theater Company in New York, called trying to locate him because they'd always loved Nefertiti. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'd made him a promise, dying, that I'd do whatever I could to make his work go on. Right. Uh, and they called trying to find him because they, uh, they loved Nefertiti, the music, and would he be interested— in uh, in um, a possible revival, in, in rewriting it or revising, really? and so it was one of these things. Careful what you promise. Yeah. Uh, and the and shortly after that, uh, his composer collaborator David Spangler called me and said, uh, "I hear something's happening." Hmm. And then the head of the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey called me. 
and said, we love this play. Uh, um, we'd be interested in doing it. Uh, can you come to New York? Oh, wow. And I was in California at the time on a sabbatical at Stanford in, in journalism. Uh, oh, wow. And so uh, it was a very dizzying time. But I mm -hmm. went and we for a while we were trying to work with something uh, with Paper Mill. But we ended up doing several productions of Nefertiti okay. uh, over the years. Mm -hmm. This other musical was, you know, fit, sitting around, you know, yeah. uh, and, and so David Spangler and I uh, have, have rewritten it a number of times. Mm -hmm. uh, but as you and if you've seen the storyline, you know, mm -hmm. it, it involves, a, a, you know, uh, involves a lot of these these themes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I want to say that so soon after all that was happening, Rick and I met. We met mm -hmm. in 1990. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Became. Where'd you meet? Uh, we met in Washington D.C., where I was working for the Peace Corps. Rick was working for National Geographic, and we met at a gay and lesbian community center event. Um, so, yay to early gay and lesbian community centers. It was a bisexual. Uh, at the point, at, the, at this point, I, I was been married to a, a woman for twenty years, yeah. almost twenty, well, about eighteen at that point, mm -hmm. and was going through that that process. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure. Well, it, it was a, but I wanted I wanted to meet people. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so we met at this event, and it you know it was love at first sight, and the rest mm -hmm. is history, as they say. But um, you know, I was in the world of Peace Corps, and Rick was yeah. in the world of National Geographic, and he had this vocation, or you know, more than a hobby, but mm -hmm. not quite a, you know, his job to help his brother's works live on. Yeah. And after about five years of being together, they started to coalesce around doing additional productions of mm -hmm. of Nefertiti. And um, at one point, they needed some help, you know, in terms of management of that, because David and Rick were so involved in the writing and rewriting of the show and yeah. so on. And so they asked me to... Um to participate. Now, at that during one of the rehearsals, one of the actors said, "Is this Frozen now?" to, you know, to his co to the director and to his yeah. colleagues, yeah. like is this scene Frozen now? Is this how we're doing it? Yeah. And I was struck by that because that's the same phrase we used to use in our Peace Corps trainings. Mm -hmm. I was a trainer for oh. Peace Corps. So, and it made me realize that maybe I could participate in theater because in a training program for the Peace Corps, we had a script, which was the training manual. We yeah. had an audience, which was the trainees. And we had a cast, which was the trainers. Mm -hmm. And we always froze things, mm -hmm. so to speak, because, you know, next up is... Yep. And yeah. he's going to cover. And yeah. by the end of this day, you will. Yeah. You know, here's apples our five... Apples. Yeah. yeah, it was really quite close match. Yeah. So, very timidly, nonetheless, I decided to participate mm -hmm. and help with, like, management. Because that's, yeah. by the end of my time at Peace Corps, that's essentially what I was doing. I was mm -hmm. managing training programs. Yeah. So I thought, maybe I could help. I think um, the, uh, in between, you know, I got offered a very appealing, attractive buyout because uh, uh, National Geographic was starting to downsize. Mm -hmm. And they asked me... They had to offer it to everybody uh, a certain who'd been there a certain amount of time, yeah. and they asked me not to take it. But I thought, looked at it, and I thought, 
this is a, a door opening, mm-hmm. uh, and I've I've loved that career. It was a yeah. fabulous career. What did you do exactly? I was a writer, okay. and I also was a science editor. So during oh, that wow. time period, you know, I, I did like sixty stories over the years. Wow. Traveled many traveled many places. All over, yeah. I and Rick the, never says this, but it's the truth. No one has ever written more stories for National Geographic than Rick Gore. Awesome. Well, anyway, the but, you know, I, I, <laughs> see, I embarrassed him. But for those know. of you who can't see right now, yeah. he's turning red. I have embarrassed him. I have embarrassed him for the for the one thousandth time. I have done that, but it's it's a fact. Awesome. And, and that was uh, you know, it's sort of coordinating because I continued to freelance for them mm-hmm. for a couple of years, yeah. and then. Um, a theater uh, theater company in Chicago again got in touch with us hmm. about wanting to produce Nefertiti. Okay, and so we got involved there, uh, and we did a production there. And then the human may race, I mention? Oh no, go ahead. Then the human race theater in Dayton mm-hmm. got in touch with us. Yeah, they'd always loved Nefertiti, mm-hmm. and so we did a, a, a really good stage reading of it over okay. there. And then another dance company in Chicago wanted to do it. Wow. So we've had several productions. Um, uh, oh, and then, and then, and then, oh, we, then we, we, we draw out the, the, the director, uh, who was the artistic director at the Paper Mill Playhouse, mm-hmm. uh, who had left that, but he came back and said he would like to direct a, a big production of it. Mm-hmm. So this was where Peter really got involved as being like the production manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and we did a like a a, a big Broadway scale uh, production uh, in yeah. Fort Lauderdale okay. at the Parker Playhouse yeah. with. Um, that uh, some one of the original cast members to the the show from Chicago at the Blackstone Theater, mm-hmm. Ann Crum, wow. who recently passed away, and um, very sad about that. Mm-hmm. But she is a pretty well known Broadway performer, mm-hmm. and um, she did Evita uh, in, a, in not the, the original. And she cast, was but, the original okay. cast of Aspects of Love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, in London, okay. and um, but she was a. Uh, member of the ensemble, the original cast, and mm-hmm. she walked into the auditions in New York, and everyone was blown away. Oh, wow. You know, she said she wanted to. Um, she was uh, very interested in the project because of the history of it, yeah. and and really was a huge asset. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were some. What year was that? Uh, 2005. 2005. Okay. 2005. Okay. Yeah. And then we did other follow-on productions in 2006 and 2007, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Um, I got very involved. My, we'd moved to Fort Lauderdale back mm-hmm. there because my mother was quite ill, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, we had to sort of be her caretakers for yeah. a couple of years. And after, but in the meantime, uh, in the early '90s, Peter had bought a farm, an old farmhouse in Eastern Ohio mm-hmm. that was in, in built in the 1820s oh, in wow. terrible, terrible shape. <laughs> but we. Um, we would go there off. I, I'd go there while well, I was working as often as possible. He spent a lot of time there when I was traveling mm-hmm. uh, uh, there, restoring it, and we ended up building some some uh, second. Uh, we we turned it into a little retreat center. Mm-hmm. And in Ohio, and we were going there in the summer and going back and forth, and we just got tired of the back and forth thing. Yeah. Uh, and we knew we didn't want to live at the farm all year because it's not very pleasant out there in, <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's very isolated. It's, mm. it's quite remote. Yeah. And so we were, we just said, well, we, but we need to be near it <laughs> so that 
but when we need to be in a city. Yeah. So that left Pittsburgh, Cleveland, or Columbus. And here's the thing. So when we um, were trying to decide between those three cities, I said, well, I know about Pittsburgh because I was born there and mm-hmm. most of my family is from there and many still live there. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up around Cleveland, so that is my home turf. And the yeah. farm is actually in between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Okay. And uh, But I said of the three, Columbus is actually the city I know the least. The only experiences I personally had had with Columbus was driving from the Cleveland area down to Miami University <laughs> for four years when I was at at school mm-hmm. there. Oh. And we used to drive by Columbus and all that was there was the Lebec Tower. Yep. Oh. And we just thought it was like Harrisburg. Yeah. You know, it was our Harrisburg. It was yeah. not a city where that was um, very prominent in the life of yeah. in our lives. And now yeah. it's our Austin. <laughs> now yeah. it's our yeah. Austin. Yeah. It is or Austin is now uh, Texas <laughs> right. is Columbus. Yes. 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 Yeah. So quite a shift. I I mm-hmm. tell people when I was making that trip mm-hmm. at that moment Columbus was the sixth largest city in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, after all the others, which yeah. are including Akron. Yeah. So it was slightly smaller than Akron at the time. So yeah. it just changed. What, yeah. year, what year was that? It would have been in the mid-70s. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I think it was the 80s when all the other buildings downtown Began started be going up and everything. So, yeah, that's, a, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Such a quick change, too. I know. Yeah. I know. Because we came here in 87. Yeah. And I, that was my first view of Columbus mm-hmm. driving 70 oh, into the yeah. city. It was like, wow, the downtown view. I mean, I still, sometimes when I go on 70, I can still mm-hmm. see that mm-hmm. that first image mm-hmm. of downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I dig it. I think that's the best angle to see it from, honestly, yeah. is coming in from from, yeah. Yeah, from the, the most boring drive. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Yeah. So when we were met, trying to make this decision, yeah. we said we should go over to Columbus yeah. and uh, <clears throat> and see what it's all about. And uh, we found a realtor, uh, Bruce Dooley, who's pretty well known here. I know that name. <laughs> uh, and Bruce uh, helped convince us. Oh, and also we we knew uh, we had met in Fort Lauderdale while he was on vacation. Wayne Lawson, who was the head of the Ohio Arts Council, oh, okay. and he talked a lot about Columbus, yeah, and how mm-hmm. magical it was, mm-hmm. and so on. But uh, so we came over, met with Bruce, and scoured, you know, German Village and mm-hmm. so forth. But he kept on bringing us back to the short north, mm-hmm. and honestly, from the very beginning, he had done research on us, yeah. and he, you know, he had Google searched <laughs> us, and um, so he knew that Rick was a writer, that we were interested in theater, and so on. So he kept driving us past the Garden Theater, mm-hmm. saying, oh, there's an old theater. Somebody should do something with that old theater. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we thought we, you know, he himself lives in the short north, um, and he thought, and we thought that he wanted us just to move mm-hmm. to the short north because that was his home turf. Mm-hmm. And we were a little bit more interested at that point in German Village. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we ended up moving into a place in the short north. Mm-hmm. And um, and liking Columbus very much for the energy, mm-hmm. the youthful energy here, um, it felt like a good size for a city. It was a beautiful day. That helped. Yeah. It was <laughs> April. It was in April, but it was like was 70 say, degrees. It yeah. either April or October. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was very beautiful. And so we kind of fell in love with the city mm-hmm. at that point. And, yeah. and then, you know, it was we th- we moved here in de- December. Mm-hmm. and uh, Well, we saw the city in 
April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't move into the place we have until right. December. Okay. Right. And then uh, I guess it would have been the following uh, year. Right. February, we, March. Uh, yeah. But then the, then we uh, the following it was for the short north annual homes tour. Mm. Uh, or no, it was, it was yeah. some, some short north uh, event. Oh, uh, I, I think I okay. can fill in the blanks here. Um, so in April, we decide we're going to give this a shot. Mm. And so we continue our search with Bruce, and we saw a place that we really needed to have in the short north. And we um, were able to watch it be finished. And it was new construction, and they were still finishing it up. And we were able to participate in that, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to live with anyone else's choices, so to speak. <laughs> and um, so we moved in in December, and we still didn't know people. And we were talking to Bruce again and saying, um, you know, one of the ways that we get to know people and feel like we have a stake in the community is we participate in theater. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that Rick did not mention is that when we lived in D.C., and we did continue to live in D.C. off and on for about another 15 years, um, we Rick was on the board of the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company, mm. and which is a very well-known and very well-respected theater company in, um, in Washington, D.C., very avant-garde, sends a lot of stuff to Broadway and so yeah. on. Um, but also, he was on the board during the time that the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company moved into a new home. And I so remember the day when they brought all the board members and their significant others together for a reception mm-hmm. and unveiled a $20 million project wow. to move into a new home. Oh, wow. And we had been thinking, well, you know, they're going to paint the bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're going to replace the carpet in yeah. the old theater. We had, we were a little shocked about yeah. the scale of it mm-hmm. yeah. and how much enthusiasm and excitement there was and how much can-do attitude around it. Yeah. And then we watched it happen. Yeah. It was a miracle. It was just such well, an amazing I, I, miracle yeah, I, process. I think being on the board for six years of a, of a, of a, a good nonprofit theater company that was growing yeah. uh, was was very uh, useful. We also, while we very were living, instructive. Yeah. while we were living in Washington, uh, there was a theater company that started in a garage called the Signature Theater Company, oh. uh, and that, that uh, then that based itself on musicals, especially the musicals of Stephen Sondheim, mm-hmm. and it is now a, a major uh, Lort Theater, uh, yeah. and uh, so it was sort of a we, we we were subscribers, and we you know we I, I admired the way they grew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so we were telling Bruce, mm-hmm. if I could mm-hmm. just interject, we were telling Bruce that that's how we get, mm-hmm. you know, that's where that's we find our next. niche yeah. in the community. Right. Um, and he said, oh, I can help you out there. I have a friend who was an actor for Catco and other mm-hmm. theater, children's theater and yeah. things like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll meet her tonight if you come to this event, um, which was, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> The Short North Alliance's annual event, yeah. holiday event. So we went, we <clears throat> we met Ellen and her husband, Dave Weibel, and um, they decided to arrange a cocktail party where we would meet uh, people she knew from the actor <coughs> community. And I would say another point here is that um, a very good friend from Woolly Mammoth, who was the managing director at Woolly Mammoth, was hired by the Cleveland Playhouse mm-hmm. to be their managing director, Kevin Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had come down to see um, 
see us at, in our new place. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, Columbus really could use uh, another theater company. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yeah. for this city this size, uh, you know, it's only got one professional theater company plus Shadowbox, which is a, mm-hmm. its own – It's own, a different It's, 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 a, it's yeah. a wonderful thing, but it's, it's not uh, – um, and uh, so uh, – Kevin was there when uh, shortly. Yes. So our friend from Cleveland came down to visit us because we had newly moved here. And um, he was very excited that it was happening the same weekend we were going to have this um, uh, party, this mm-hmm. cocktail party mm-hmm. um, hosted by Ellen and Dave. And um, so he attended and was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, it got everything off to a really good yeah. start. Also, there were some well-known people in theater in Columbus: Doug Joseph, mm-hmm. Linda Roth, mm-hmm. uh, Deb Colvin Tenner, yeah. um, uh, and um, Joan Kraus. Joan Kraus, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so uh, it was like it, it ended with sort of a, well, why don't we try to start something? Yeah. Rick and Peter. <laughs> but we did become the colonel. At, at, and yeah. we started uh, it, it, a lot. So it, this is when, you know, things just start to fall together and you mm-hmm. can't, it's kismet and you you can really ignore it or you can maybe just play with it a little and allow it to have, um, you know, its, its life. Mm-hmm. So somebody said we should start having meetings. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> I host and direct yeah. meetings. I yeah. can at least do that. Yeah. You know, so we bought some hummus and pita bread and <laughs> <laughs> opened our front door to, you know, an ever-growing number of mm-hmm. uh, theater people who would come twice a month mm-hmm. for a year to our house mm-hmm. and have meetings wow. about this event. And this was important because later on, should I mention about the first interview we ever did a year later? So this would have been 2010. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff was going on, and we can cover some of the details um, later on. But uh, Michael Grossberg, who's the theater critic for the Columbus Dispatch, um, heard about us after about a year, and he wanted to do an article, mm-hmm. um, particularly because he had heard a rumor about the Garden Theater. And he was very interested in that venue and the future of that venue. So he called us up, and Rick spoke to him first about artistic matters and then gave him my name, and I was over at our farm. Mm-hmm. And Rick called me. He said, um, he's going to call you today, and I just want to let you know he's, uh, you know, he's tough. He's a tough interviewer, <laughs> which I think Michael would himself would, uh, you know, he be would, very yeah. proud of that I think he would, yeah. designation. Yeah. I'm not saying anything he wouldn't um, be very proud of. Um, so sure enough, he did call, and he said, now, what is it that you um, do for a living? I said, I train Peace Corps volunteers. And he said, okay, but have you ever been an actor? No. No, I've not. Mm-hmm. Have you been a director? No, I haven't. Um, a producer, sort of, but not really. Mm-hmm. And finally, he said, "So, what qualifies you to start a theater company?" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is real hardball here." And I had to think on my feet, and I said, "Well, because essentially, at the beginning, uh, this is a community development project, mm-hmm. and I train people to be community developers." Mm-hmm. So. Um, that is why we're meeting mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, dissecting the issues and the problems and the, uh, you know, the potential of yeah. this project up for the past year. And I just helped with that process. And he said, yeah. well, that's a good answer. So, you know. <laughs> so, so before that, I mean, he called at the time we had already 
we're starting to announce things. And I think that we, we from the beginning, we took this pretty seriously. We had some really good people mm-hmm. working, you know, who yeah. were all part of yeah. A lot of them have moved on or left, mm-hmm. but, but it was... Um, uh, the we we realized what we needed was a couple things. One, we needed to a venue. Yeah, uh, it was very important to us that uh, we have a venue mm-hmm. uh, because that way uh, it was our place. We didn't have to move around like vagabonds right. to different yeah. spots. Uh, we needed a name, uh, and uh, we tossed around a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we came up with. Short North was already a strong brand, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to be Short North players or yeah. uh, and playhouse. Well, at the time, our friend from Cleveland, uh, at the Cleveland Playhouse, they were going through some struggles, which they very successfully come through, yeah. but they were uh, transitioning into a more contemporary theater company, mm-hmm. and uh, they were thinking of changing their name, mm-hmm. and they were thinking of changing to Cleveland stage, but mm-hmm. their uh, board revolted because, uh, but I thought, that's a... That's a strong name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it, it, it seems contemporary. So we ended up with that name, and we ended up spending quite a bit of time uh, doing uh, finding the right logo, which you know yeah. very well. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, uh, that, uh, and we got a, a good professional to come in and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we One of the, uh, the, uh, the members of our team was a, um, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. As well as a, an event producer, uh, and uh, the and he worked on getting us our nonprofit, and then we uh, worked on getting a, a lease at the Garden mm-hmm. Theater. Mm-hmm. And what before, was it at that? I mean, because the Garden has such an oh, interesting yes. story. Like, it, yeah. what was it first? I was going to actually get into that yeah. because. Um, so for the year that everybody was meeting at our house mm-hmm. and we did all these things that Rick just described, you know, logo and yeah. and brand and so on, um, you know, part of my Peace Corps training came back because every Peace Corps volunteer always asks, how do I save the world? And all the trainers tell them, you are not supposed to save the world. Mm-hmm. You might be a catalyst for yeah. some idea mm-hmm. that is already nascent in the community okay. that will need a spark. Mm-hmm. And so our little troop, that's what we thought, you know, yeah. that this is something that's um, the community wants, mm-hmm. the community needs, it solves problems, yeah. and it will therefore take on a life of its own, and we may be the catalyst for mm-hmm. that. All of you know this group of 20, 30 people that we're meeting every week, we might be able to be the catalyst for that. Which, to your question, mm-hmm. what was the Garden Theater? So, there were two things here. Some people said there wasn't enough theater for a, a town this side on a mm-hmm. professional level, mm-hmm. so that was one issue. The Short North um, Business Association, which is now the Short North Alliance, mm-hmm. also had an issue. They had a beautiful old theater mm-hmm. that was sitting there, yeah. and they were calling for ideas mm-hmm. about what the future of the Garden Theater was going to be. Yeah. And we had also met the um, prominent business partner in the group, the Likens Group, Kevin Likens, and he um, wanted you know, an answer to that same question. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are kind of happening right at the right moments. So 
true to community development, there were problems that were clearly defined, mm-hmm. and there were people who were willing to try to help solve those problems. Yeah. And we used to tell the group, you know, as long as we're solving a problem, yeah. um, in other words, it has salience or relevancy mm-hmm. for the community, mm-hmm. then the community will come in and help. Yeah. And there, there were a couple, I mean, I think in, even now, we've been to meetings since we started showing our stage, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, the, the Columbus Foundation is, is, yeah. is sponsored. And is a very clear uh, realization that the corner of Fifth and High is a really important corner, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and we've we're good friends, and, and we've had a lot of meetings with uh, John Angela, who was the former director of uh, the Short Earth Alliance, and now Betsy Pandora, mm-hmm. uh, and they're very aware of the importance of retaining art mm-hmm. in the in the short north yeah uh, and so we've had a lot of good support from them as well as the as the greater Columbus Arts Council mm-hmm. and the Ohio Arts Council be, because they also see it as an economic development yeah. project absolutely mm-hmm. and but so, in answer to your question mm-hmm. about what was the garden theater so I don't think to this day that a lot of people realize that the garden theater is the second oldest um, still operating theater in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Only the Ohio Theater is older. Wow. Um, the Lincoln Theater is younger. The Palace Theater yeah. is younger. The Ohio Theater are all younger than the mm-hmm. Garden. Mm-hmm. Now, what the Garden and the Ohio have in common is that they were built for live performance. Mm-hmm. They are not movie theaters that were then retrofitted right. to become live performance venues. Um so that's an important distinction that there's been a long uninterrupted history of, well, it was interrupted a bit, of live performance at the Garden Theater. Um, what year did it? It was built in 1920. Wow. Now, um, not to get too deeply into the history mm-hmm. of the building, because uh, we need two hours just to do that. I, I give a five and a half do. hour tour. <laughs> five and a half hours. Because <laughs> no, I mean, oh. no one, no one. I, by by two hours, I'm standing there by myself. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the the theater parts of the building are from the 1840s. Wow. Was it like a carriage house or something? It was a carriage house. Okay. Okay. And, um, you know, back in the day, cities transformed and morphed and became Mm -hmm. bigger. The city moved up from downtown out to the the rural area, which is fifth and high at the time. (laughs) That was considered a rural area. There was a carriage house, more like a a warehouse, Mm -hmm. you know, home for Clydesdales and wagons and storage for goods that were coming off the train. Mm-hmm. that were coming in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was that. And in those days in the 1880s when it transitioned into what it, more what it is today, um, you didn't tear buildings down. There were no, claw, you know, bulldozers right. and right. dump trucks and landfills right. to take things away. So you literally had to do retrofit. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with an old barn? You turn it into a, a barn, mm-hmm. which is a nickname for a theater. Mm-hmm. So that seemed like a good use for the um, the space so that yeah. it became a theater an opera house we believe called the Blackwell Opera House mm. Blackwell Opera House had a fire and then the building was purchased by a Dr. Taylor who was a resident of the Short North mm. he was one of the most famous physicians in the history of Columbus and quite wealthy and he bought the theater and rebuilt it to, um, to the standards of the day which means it's a very sound and sturdy building mm-hmm. now um, and he took called it the Garden Theater. It's also the first theater in Ohio to be air-conditioned. And it was, they did it by means of water and ice. Um, 
vaults in the basement that collected cold air and then blew it on the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, that All that system, the remains of that system are still in the building. Mm-hmm. But um, so initially it was a vaudeville slash silent movie house. Mm-hmm. And then it transitioned, of course, into strictly movies in 1933. Uh, it made that transition. But a few years prior to that, um, a young woman um, uh, Ethel Fallows mm-hmm. um, bought the building with an agreement with Dr. Taylor's widow, um, who wanted to sell the building because her husband, Dr. Taylor, had died in the arms of his mistress in one of the apartments above the building, and she was very embarrassed about yeah. this, so she wanted to um, move away from the mm-hmm. Garden Theater, and she and Ethel had long been friends, so she made an arrangement that she would um, allow Ethel to buy the building, paying only $500 a year until she died, and then wow. the building would be left to her her will. Ethel at the time thought she was a young woman. She thought this was a great deal um, because Mrs. Um, Taylor was already 70 years old, but mm-hmm. she lived to be 104. Oh my God. And um, so it's wow. one of those stories. Ethel actually ended up paying more for the building than it was worth <laughs> over the years. But nonetheless, she was such an exquisite and um, ahead of her time businesswoman. Uh, she became the first million heiress in Columbus mm. history. Wow. Self-made, you know, wow. in the town. And um, not inherited well. Yeah. And... Um, so, her, uh, her, her, she had like nine theater companies, theater, uh, the yeah. movie theaters, including the Drexels. Wow. Really? Uh, she owned the Drexel. And, and a couple and, of drive-ins. Um, yeah. yeah, she owned the State Theater, which is now called the Newport up by campus. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, that name change happened when the current owners bought mm-hmm. the building in the 70s from her estate, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, as I re- recall, she died of cancer uh, in, in the late 60s. Okay. And her husband... I uh, didn't have that much interest in the business. Yeah. Uh, we don't know a lot of details about that. He was that. a lot older than she was. <laughs> but he sold it, as we understand it, to two entrepreneurs from Chicago who were going to use it as make it a movie theater. Yeah. But they changed their mind and they turned it into a burlesque house. Mm. Uh, the old, gyp- the last of the Gypsy Rose Lee style yeah. uh, burlesque houses. And it's quite well known uh-huh. among people who, who who have gone there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and very often in the early days of Short North Stage, a couple of a certain age, typically my age, and I'm in, I'm 60, so they would walk in and they would say, um, the wife would say something like, we've never been here. <laughs> and then she would excuse herself to go to the restroom and her husband would look at me sheepishly and say, actually, I have been here. <laughs> um, but she doesn't need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's but it, during that process, during that time, uh, a lot of urban decay was happening, and yeah. and the short this area, of the short north, which had been a solid uh, middle and upper middle mm-hmm. middle class neighborhood, uh, deteriorated, uh, became run down, and so the the burlesque house was was part of thrived. Well, yeah. well, but it was still part of that decay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then it it went down further and became a hardcore X rated movie house and uh, until video destroyed that market but then prostitution was still I mean there there were uh, there there were mattresses in some of the upstairs rooms you know uh, uh, and uh, plastic gloves (laughs) so but anyway um, what and so then it became after the the 
building was closed down by the uh, in in 1987 mm-hmm. by. Um, the city, um, it it sat empty for a number of years, but then was purchased by a, a church, and uh, it was a Garden sanctuary, Worship Center. Yeah. Garden Worship Center. It was a sanctuary for about ten years until they had the opportunity mm-hmm. to buy a building which was had been a church mm-hmm. behind them, and, and so they and, left the and, building. And their their mission was to serve the neighborhood, to serve the the, yeah. the uh, underprivileged people mm-hmm. that were living there, and, and and they basically went in and I, from they salvaged the building mm-hmm. because the roof was falling in. Oh, okay. uh, the It was um, in really awful shape, mm-hmm. and they must have put in a heroic effort. In fact, we know a little bit about that uh, yeah. In, yeah. In, in their community to, to stabilize it and to um, uh, make it much like it is today. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Yeah, a lot of credit needs to be given to that effort. Um, so... But nonetheless, in um, you know, they exited the scene in the early 2000s mm-hmm. and um, 2006, I think, and the building was purchased by a consortium of um, developers who wanted to do something with the building. And yet, uh, still, it sat empty for another four or five years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And during that time, it um, it didn't get any better. Let us say, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it as, was, as we understand it, you know, uh, the uh, Kevin Likens, who was the mm-hmm. owner of the building, uh, wanted to uh, make it uh, basically. Uh, Put up a condo there. Uh, oh, okay. And wow. uh, and that uh, the short um, the Victorian Village Historic Committee uh, was had something to say about that. Mm. And uh, so instead, he totally uh, remodeled uh, the ten apartments that are associated with it. Mm. And and the 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 Garden Theater basically. Uh, was um, the, the warehouse for the the furniture that he'd moved out, huh. uh, and when we first saw it, uh, there were no seats. Uh, yeah. It was filled with old refrigerators, air conditioners, uh, plumbing, all sorts of stuff that uh, that um, that. So it became a warehouse again. Basically, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, but when our group. We were invited by Kevin, who was very supportive of the theater notion um, very early on. Um, we were invited by him to take a walkthrough yeah. uh, because he really wanted something you know, important to happen with the building. Mm-hmm. And he had heard about us, so he invited our group to do a walkthrough. And when we walked in the building, despite all of this history, and this, and all the, the you know, the um, distressing things that happened to the building over the years, uh, when we walked into the building, the building, we joke, the building cried out to us, "I want to be a theater again." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had a good vibe, yeah. even though you know, as Rick sort of alluded to, some probably some. Pretty Pretty, um, you know, depressing things might have, you know, happened there. Um, But it had a really strong, positive vibe. And so we decided we would take a chance. And um, But we also then went to the uh, Greater Columbus Arts Council for a special projects grant because we didn't want we wanted to make sure the building was uh, solid and stable right. yeah. and then that w- didn't have uh, didn't structural flood in the, defects. Didn't flood yeah. in the basement. Right. So they gave us a $5,000 grant mm-hmm. to hire an architectural firm with some ex- 
experience with theaters mm-hmm. uh, to go in and to, to do a, a good look at it uh, and before the report, we signed any kind of lease. You know? Yeah, before we signed any kind of lease. Is this a, va- a viable project right. in this yeah. location? And uh, and the report that they gave was very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the fire, Dr. Taylor rebuilt the theater in 1920 to the highest specifications mm-hmm. at the time. And there's a lot of reinforced concrete in the building. There's a lot of fire prevention aspects to the new design and the um, forensic architects and engineers that they brought in um, Hardlines this uh, architectural firm brought in verified that the building actually had very good bones and could very easily be updated and um, to yeah. the and the basement, uh, we can say over ten years, including some very torrential rains, mm-hmm. the basement is dry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, so it's a solid basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it the the word was proceed. Yeah, and we were very happy to hear that news because I think at that point we began to realize it's really difficult to found a new arts organization, particularly one. Right after the crash of 2008, because yeah. remember, we're this is 2010, 2011. Right. It wasn't. Up. It was still catching up. So it's difficult in the best of circumstances to found a new artistic institution um, like Short North Stage, uh, let alone try to restore a building. Mm-hmm. You know that's going to have be no end to trouble. And um, so it was very reassuring to have the good report out of the grant Mm -hmm. that we received from the investigation. And then secondly, we began to realize that there was a real energy associated with an arts organization and the Garden Theater working together. Yeah, Uh, You know, the people in Victorian Village and the Short North community could really get behind the project because, Mm -hmm. again, we were solving a problem. Right. The most important building at the corner of Fifth and High was empty, yeah. had been empty for many, many years. Yeah. And um, nothing was going to change at the corner of Fifth and High until someone figured out what to do with the Garden Theater. Right. So those two things started to merge really cleanly for us in 2011. And, and also, um, the um, we didn't know... Uh, we, one, we had wonderful, wonderful volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just came in and they helped us clean up the theater. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rob Kuhn, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, who was all, uh, already, he was one of the, one of the founding mm-hmm. members, too. Yeah, and, we didn't mention him. And, uh, was, and I think it was either Doug or Rob found a, a movie theater in Chillicothe that was being about to be torn down. And we got a bunch of seats. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, and, again, a big volunteer effort mm-hmm. to put those seats down. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to figure out what were we going to do for our first show. And in the meantime, there was a, 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 a performer and director named Kevin McGuire who was living here in Columbus mm-hmm. uh, and a very good singer with some Broadway experience, um, bigger than life personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came, uh, Bruce Tooley said, you've got to meet him. So we yeah. had a meeting at the theater and he, it was a rainy day and there's a he, he heard hear the rain on the roof and he said, Follies. Mm-hmm. That, I heard, thought of the song uh, Rain on the Roof and Follies. This is what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. And so That's he, the opening act. And so he directed For those who don't know, and there probably aren't very many, but uh, Follies <laughs> is the tale of uh, women who performed at a theater that's about to be torn down mm-hmm. on Broadway. So they go back to the theater for one last night of, of 
you know, reflection and companionship right. on their life on the stage. So it seemed like um, a perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we decided that would be our, our first show. Mm-hmm. And um, again, fate, is, fate brought out a wonderful group, mm-hmm. mainly of women uh, in, in this town who yeah. were fantastic performers. Mm-hmm. Joan and, Krause and, yeah. and uh, Patty Winbush and uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, Abby Vale and uh, uh, Mary... Uh, Linda Roth. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Gray. We can't list them all. Uh, Eileen, we'll Eileen, Howard, some, Eileen Howard. Eileen yeah. Howard. Yeah. Uh, and and they and then uh, we had Matt Clemens and uh, and um, uh, J, uh, uh, <laughs> Belinda Linda Roth. Yeah. Um, yes. Jamie, so, Jamie Cordes from Jamie Cordes from, Dayton. from and um, and uh, Dayton. Dionysia. Uh, Dionysia Williams. Oh, Dionysia. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of a lot of great people yeah. were involved in it, and since it's now coming up to the tenth anniversary of Short North Stage, um, the company has decided on April eighteenth or nineteenth mm-hmm. to do a um, anniversary tenth anniversary. Mm-hmm concert version of Follies nice. um, mm-hmm. at the theater, which will have probably about 95% of the original mm-hmm. cast mm-hmm. Wow. back to reprise their roles. That's awesome. In and, the, and, in the, and when we get Matt back, we need to, like, handcuff him to a chair that he yeah. may not yeah. leave anymore. Right. Well, we, he was very <laughs> eager to do it. We see Matt. We have dinner with him uh, when we ever go to Florida. and okay, he's well, handcuff him next time and make him come well, back. Well, he says <laughs> he, he was going to come back, but he's got I his know. current job. But he also said, you ought to do Man in La Mancha. That's, I, I'll be back for that. Okay. I'll be all done. But, Michael Grossberg gave us a you know, a, a wonderful review mm-hmm. said it was a brilliant. Uh, yeah. Those are the words he used, and mm-hmm. we were shocked. Suddenly, we were sold out. Yeah. You know, uh, Austin Hungler was saying, who was managing tickets at the time, he says, uh, "We're selling out." Yeah. I, I, and 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 the show. Uh, I mean, Sondheim is popular with a certain group. You right. don't see Follies very often. No. And uh, and so the show. And there sold. was a lot of curiosity about what the old theater looked like and right. so yeah. on. Yeah. And um, we gussied it up, not with a set because the set was the de- decrepitude of the theater yeah. itself because it was supposed to be an old theater. Yeah. that was going to be torn down. So that helped, saved us a lot of money. But we did gussy it up with lighting and so on. And anything that is in its um, shabby chic stage looks really good on multicolored lights. (laughs) You can really, lots of interesting shadows and um, nooks and crannies were revealed by, you know, LED lighting. Yeah. So that was mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a fraud, but I mean it made it look better yeah. than it was, let yeah. us say. And so that threw us, you know, into another production. The second production was the marvelous Wonderettes, which was uh, my friend Maya uh, was in that. Maya, yes, and uh, and uh, uh, Dionysia mm-hmm. and Jackie Commissar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And good yeah, and uh, and that was another hit in the mm-hmm. green room. This this yeah. smaller green room. Um, again, again about the building. Uh, we knew that we had to also lease the, the the place next door because it had the bathrooms. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, big part of it. And and then. Uh, but it, as it turns out, and here again, um, Kevin actually, um, uh, Kevin Likens 
what played a role here too because he said don't you want a space where you could do smaller shows mm-hmm. and at the time we thought well if we're going to do a smaller show we'll just do it also in the big theater you yeah. know we don't need to take mm-hmm. on this other obligation but the green room and the, the what they're yeah. able to do in that space mm-hmm. on which is so much more intimate than mm-hmm. the theater which is very big and expansive mm-hmm. feel to it um, it was really important yeah. and we mm-hmm. do as much work there yeah over the years as as we do in the big space. Yeah. And, and then also... You yourself almost, have performed in that green room. Almost the same time, um, uh, the... Um the 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 uh, storefront next to us on the other side became available. It had been a bicycle shop. Oh yeah. And we and we said we we ought to. Peter said we ought to. We need to get that. Yeah. Because uh, we need a bar. Mm-hmm. So um, again, a whole th- thing about getting a liquor license, and then Rob Kuhn, who has been so instrumental in yeah. in in. Uh, without Rob, we never would have been able to do some of the physical things. Mm-hmm. He had a friend who had uh, in storage. A bar from a Red Robin, oh, and wow. <laughs> oh wow! And he gave it to us, yeah, because he didn't know what to do with it. Right. He was tired of storing it, yeah. so he it, we basically took half of the bar, and then Rob and company were able to um, to finish it off, mm-hmm. and so that, make it retrofit into. So it. we yes. have this small but unique little little so cute. little space. That's awesome. I love it. I'm realizing we're talking and talking and talking. I guess we really are extroverts, and you haven't had a chance to ask us uh, any questions. Well, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> that's why you're here. <laughs> but you know, and then but then uh, we also had a friend. In New York, who was a a, a, a good director, uh, his, he did most of the road company tours of um, of uh, hairspray, hairspray. Mm-hmm. and Matt Lenz, and he said, you know. You, I, I directed this show off Broadway called The Irish Curse, hmm. uh, which was really a big hit off Broadway. Yeah. Uh, and you ought to consider doing it. And I'll come in and direct it because I've got some open time. So hmm. we, we did The Irish Curse, which is about a, a, a therapy group in a church basement in Brooklyn. Hmm. Uh, and they're all... Um, uh, all the members are afflicted with the Irish curse, which uh, if you is, um, uh, I'm not sure that it's true at all. I have no nothing. No. It, but, but, it's, <laughs> but it's the Irish curse is someone who is underdeveloped uh, below the belt uh, and how this affects their life. And it was, again, a very, very funny play. Yeah. And it, it sort of sealed our first season and mm-hmm. propelled us into the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd point out at because all of this conversation is reminding me that in those early days, everybody was pulling um, pulling on the contacts and pulling in favors to yeah. get the project up and running. You know, Rob knew so many people yeah. and, you know, Deb Colvin Tenner knew people mm-hmm. and Doug Joseph knew people and um, we knew some people. You know, our friend from New York came. Um so it was both very exciting and exhilarating, but it was also pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. And um, we also our, had some really uh, the donors. We had a founder circle, and and uh, a lot of people donated a thousand dollars to to be a to member be, of, the founder, member of the founder circle. Oh. Yeah, and it k- helped kickstart us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and. At the time, we realized what a risk they were taking mm-hmm. because here were, you know, a gr- here was a motley crew. So you know, to use that old adage, uh, people led by two guys who aren't even from Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, who are trying to take that old mm-hmm. building and do something. So it's positive, yeah. but 
An example would be how can they do it? You know, it how seems like a high wire. An, an, right? an yeah. sure, example yeah. would be a gentleman named Joe Petrelli. Mm-hmm. Petrelli uh, was walking by with his family, uh, walked to the short north, and they saw all of us volunteers working uh, hard. And we chatted with him and all. And uh, about a week later, we got a check from Joe for ten thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Uh, and again, like uh, you know the. It just because he liked what he saw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. he himself had was very entrepreneurial. He's a great guy. He's very entrepreneurial. He has a lot of intuition and um, a lot of enthusiasm for new projects. So he liked what he saw. He decided he wanted to support it. And you know, beyond the donation, he became one of our first um, long-term board members. And really, you know, with a business background and gravitas around that, he was really able to help Mm -hmm. stabilize the organization. Mm -hmm. But yet, and uh, he's one story of many that we could tell, you know, um, like that. People who really stepped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wanted this to happen, so yeah. um, you know things. Is, it, I hate to use that cliche, but you know if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Um, it, hey, it's it, a great movie. You can say yes, that. <laughs> it's it's a great idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, it gets back to that idea. If you are in touch with the zeitgeist and yeah. trying to solve a problem, people do respond. Yep. There, there were so many important people. John Angelo, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, uh, gave us a donate. He and his partner Frank gave us a, uh, a donation to relight the garden sign, yeah. and uh, and again, one of our surprises was this was publicized. Uh, um, and a little, because, you know, what connections did this new group have? Right. I mean, we sent yeah. it out on Facebook, but right. um, all of a sudden, the night of... There's like um, 400 people out, outside, you know, like uh, random people who uh, were in the neighborhood who had a, a connection to the theater. Oh, wow. And, and the TV this, station showed up. Yeah, and there was this, this loud cheering when, oh. when the lights went back on. Yeah. Uh, and There's a video you can look on and see, uh, the relighting of the Garden Theater sign. It's a YouTube oh, video cool. taken by someone um, it's like 40 seconds long and the countdown you know is there and um, at the end uh, it's a little exaggeration Mm -hmm. I think but the gentleman taking the video says this is history you know this is history for our neighborhood so it definitely had that kind of Mm -hmm. feel to it there were so many important people along the way that that, um, yeah it's you want to mention everybody but Mm -hmm. you know you'll forget some people and then then that's then there was Sarnolpine Pine. (laughs) well that's where I was headed which is how we first met you that's how Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. well and I the only reason because I had just done my first professional production with Capco Mm -hmm. so it was sort of like oh I I guess I could do this (laughs) so Mm -hmm. re kind of Mm-hmm. Re-egoed, is that a word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It is now. Felt better. Yeah. Felt better Coin. about acting. And then all I'd heard was just this buzz happening. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about the show. I knew nothing about the theater. It completely went in on a whim. Like, meh, nothing to lose. Go. <laughs> That's where I want to hear well, about you Okay, guys so that. We, we had done, um, that was, we did cab- the season with Cabaret mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, So it would have been the... Opening show for our third season. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, you want to make your 
first show of the season. We're, we're a company known for musicals. You want to make your first show of the season a big blockbuster type <laughs> thing, if right. possible. And again, getting back to the idea that we're all pulling in contacts and favors and, and searching for leads, um, Rick, Rick and I had a friend who was, as it turns out, the company manager of Lincoln Center Theater in New York. Um, he worked very closely, regularly, with um, Sarna Lapine. Uh, who was the assistant to and Bob Matt, Matt sure. Markoff is his name, and he kept yeah. saying, uh, you need to meet Sarno Lapine. Mm-hmm. And so when on my visit to New York, uh, Sarno and I had lunch, and we hit it off mm-hmm. very well. And uh, she... Um, she talked about how well I'd really kind of be interested. I, I love theater development, mm-hmm. and then she mentioned um, Sunday in the Park with George, which her uncle James Lapine had written with Stephen Sondheim, <laughs> Uncle James. And so she, um, uh, we because also Peter and I were really we loved this show, yeah. and it had a connection to Columbus mm-hmm. uh, through with, the Topiary Park, and because the show is. The is taken. The theme of it is the painting by Surratt, mm-hmm. um, the pointillist painting by Surratt and George Surratt and how you know his life. And um, Columbus actually has the Topiary Garden, which is a uh, evergreen recreation yeah. of that painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, she came. She also brought with her. Uh, uh, the uh, set designer from Lincoln Center Theater, a sound design, a Tony Award sound designer, Leon, uh, Leon Rothenberg, uh, and uh, the, um, uh, the the pup- the puppet puppeteer puppet maker builder yeah. for uh, Warhorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she wow. was directing the road show of Warhorse, which was a very well known and mm-hmm. beloved um, play, and so she um, brought in the man who created the puppets for that show. Mm-hmm. And so um, all of this is starting to happen because of the connection Rick had initially made. Mm-hmm. And she, she wanted the chance to break out on her own and do a project. And she was really intrigued by the idea of Sunday in the Park, because for those who know about Sunday in the Park with George, there's always this question, love the show, but that second act. Yeah. And um, everybody says that. And she felt that she wanted to take a stab at solving the problem, in quotes, of the second act. Yeah. And this might be her opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, um, the, she had some unique sort of connections to Columbus. Mm-hmm. So, again, all of this mm-hmm. kismet happening. Yeah. Um, her father and mother had both attended o- Ohio State University. Her father still watched Ohio State football, actually came back every year for the homecoming. Mm-hmm. to celebrate OSU. And um, and then, it's as it turns out, her grandparents had been from Mass- Mansfield, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So um, even though the Lapine family now lives basically in Connecticut area, um, the family had roots in Ohio, yeah. beyond, and which is probably why her father went to OSU mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were all those connections personal for her. And... Um, and yet, we were quite intimidated by the lineup she kept suggesting that she would be bringing to Columbus <laughs> because she had never been to our theater. She had yeah. never been to the Garden Theater. Yeah. Right. And we had to find housing for them, mm-hmm. which led to the, the, the getting the, the Hamlet House yeah. uh, for, for cast housing. Mm. But you can imagine how... Um, you know, intimidating it was mm-hmm. to bring 
Sarna and the Kamiko McAdams mm-hmm. um, to Columbus in April before we would do the show in October so they could see the theater and get a sense of mm-hmm. the design of the show and so on. Yeah. And um, on the way from the airport, I turned to Rick and I said, dare we show them the topiary garden? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, you know, Rick said, yeah, I think we should because yeah. it's on the way. Right. And so we did a quick stop off at the yeah. um, topiary garden and I couldn't tell immediately what their reaction was. But then Sarna said to um, Kamiko, this is really very sweet and interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is, this is wonderful. And I thought, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. Good thing it wasn't, this is yeah. really dumb. <laughs> this is so, no, she really respected what yeah. was being done there. Yeah, right. And um, she thought it was therefore even more appropriate mm-hmm. that she yeah. do this show. It was like a sign, you know, yeah. from the universe. But, but you know, it, it, anyway, the, the show ended up being a huge effort. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, wonderful people, including you, Krista. That, well, that, thank that, you. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> no, but but it's again uh, the right people came together at the right time. It was it was one of the most. To me, it's still one of the standout mm-hmm. things I've ever done in my mm-hmm. life because of the professional nature. And you nature. were excellent in well, it, by the way. But the, the professional nature, but also just, like you said, the, the number of people that came together mm-hmm. um, and the connections that we made even as a cast with, you know, Laura, who we wouldn't have known mm-hmm. from anything else. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my most favorite experiences was Jessica and Laura and I sitting in Harvest Pizza and just catching up. Like, mm-hmm. it's nice to, mm-hmm. to be, in, you know, and, and all of these huge New York things here in Columbus. Right. Mm-hmm. And we ourselves were very intimidated by that yeah. because we do not have the shops and the workspaces, mm-hmm. for example, right. that other theaters would have. Yeah. Um, and so Kamiko had to finish doing some things mm-hmm. for props and set pieces, like in the green room. Yeah. And um, at one point, the customer, who was also a customer who... Um, uh, she worked for the Therese ballet, Wood, didn't yeah. she? You know, the opera. The mm-hmm. opera. Uh, at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. Um, she was dyeing cloth. In, you know, like the woman's bathroom. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, uh, one of the issues... So that, it was very intimidating. And yeah. with, with that show, you know, uh, we had to build all these periods, period costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we didn't, it was so nice. We didn't <laughs> rent them. They were built there. She, yeah. yeah. Built and that was body, huge, a huge uh, yeah. undertaking. It, it, to this day, it might still be one of the largest mm-hmm. costume budgets we ever allowed for a show. Yeah. But, uh, but it was all worth it. But uh, there were moments where, uh, you know, as... You know, I, at the time I was, um, um, you know, this the executive director of the organization, and I. So we'd attend the production meetings, and Rick and I, and Rick was, you know, on the artistic side, and. I, I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I should apologize to these these professionals from New York who have not the equipment or the staff that they yeah. would normally have, and I felt a little sheepish about it, and so I did. I, I apologized and said that we would, you know, try to do whatever we could, and yeah. um, that kind of speech. And Leon Rothenberg said, "Oh, please, no, no, no. This is the most wonderful thing I've done in mm-hmm. years." And see, um, he said, "It brings me back to the roots of." why I got into theater in yeah. the first place. That's awesome. Everybody 
you know, together, putting on a show, everybody pulling the wagon mm-hmm. in the same direction. He said, this mm-hmm. is wonderful. And all of the other designers it, said the exact yeah. same and it, thing. It, mm. it, it did nail down uh, 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 the approach that we uh, had from the beginning mm-hmm. with people like Matt Lenz coming in. But mm-hmm. more than any other show, it said there is real value in, in bringing people in. Mm-hmm. Uh, to work with local people and have that ongoing interaction yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, getting the right person, sometimes you just can't find the right person locally. Right. Uh, and you don't, rather than, um, and, and it's not, there's many very talented people in this right. town, but the right person mm-hmm. for the right role might not right. be here. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that makes a huge difference. And I think you hit on it also, or you, I, I, I think you were hitting on it, that it was a chance for local people mm-hmm. to work yes. mm-hmm. with yeah. um, people from outside mm-hmm. uh, in the larger theater community nationally yeah. and, you know, up their game. And it was, it was incredible. I mean, what, what Sarna did, and at the time, it was scary because of her process was so different than what probably any of us that worked had done, where we did two weeks of table work. Hmm. And it was like, what? what's happening? Hmm. What Are we, are we going to be ready? And then suddenly we get on the stage and it was like, oh, all of this makes sense. Oh, yeah. And honestly, that's her process and her method. I still work with my students exactly the way that she did it. It's like, mm-hmm. because something makes sense to you. We actually just had a conversation. Yeah. He said, how do you make yourself cry? I said, I, I don't. Yeah. You get into the work. Yeah. You figure out what it means. Mm-hmm. And you might or might not cry, mm-hmm. but it's it's understanding that yeah. on a deeper personal yeah. level. Yeah. But that's something that I learned, honestly, from Sarna and the way yeah. that she approached it. I will never forget. Sorry. I'm, now I'm oh, going on. Because no, no. I'm, I think one of my huge takeaways from one of our, our table work settings was sitting with Linda, who played um, the mother. Um, and I was her nurse, so I was with her at all times. And she joked that someday I was just going to pull her down and she'd never get back up again. But um, we were talking about the song Beautiful, which in Sunday in the Park with George. And I remember the first time I heard it was like, old lady song, you know, like the, the token old lady song in the yeah. show. So she gets one, you know. But the way that Sarna talked about that song, of how she she said something along the lines of their grandmother was going through Alzheimer's and a kind of kind of approached that song. Now I can never hear it without thinking right. how deep when you ask about something that makes you cry. I could not make it through that song ever again after that yeah. because yeah. of the connection that was there. It, yeah. it is an amazing show, and oh, yeah. that that you find yourself as that flows back into Sunday. Yeah, I cry. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and I wanted you know just to uh, with Sarna, you know, we um, she ended up doing a, a revival on Broadway with Jake yeah. Gyll- Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I keep bugging her about that <clears throat> because she didn't ask me to do that one, <laughs> so I'm still mad at her about that. Well, they're going to do it in London, I believe. If, well, I'll if, go there. That's fine. But it, well, you may not be able to fly there. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but, but what, what was really interesting, uh, because I think she found the way to make the second act work. Yeah. And we were there for one of the last previews, mm-hmm. and one of the a memorable sight was to see her in the, uh, the back of the, the theater 
arguing with James, Uncle James, <laughs> because Uncle James did not like what she was doing. Really? She said, this is, and she, he was in particularly in like the cocktail scene. But yeah. anyway, she was saying, no, this is this is you know, I'm doing it this right. way. Yeah. And it got rave reviews. It was a mm-hmm. wonderful production. Yeah. And the second act did work. It worked. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she just she was able to. Well, and I, when I first was doing my research, this is terrible. I'm going to like confess all these things that my students are like, that's not what you tell us. I watched the production before I auditioned for it. I didn't make it through. I, like I watched the um, Mandy Patinkin yeah, yeah, Peters yeah. version. I turned it off halfway through. Mm-hmm. Like, eh. I, 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 it wasn't that interesting. No, it's it's to not me. A, it, for some reason that the video is not that good. No, it's not. And it, you would think with Mandy mm-hmm. Patinkin and mm-hmm. Bernadette mm-hmm. Peters, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. And now I can listen to that soundtrack. But just there was something about the second act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. can we just end it at the first and be done with it? Mm-hmm. But the way that she intertwined everything, how the past was the present and vice versa, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. continuing on. And my gosh, I don't I don't know if I made it a night without crying. Yeah, it is interesting Dude. because I'm, this is talking to, uh, to Michael Licata, who's going to direct. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, Who directed Saturday Night Fever? <laughs> and, and, Hi, Michael. <laughs> and uh, he's been reading books about why shows succeed and why they mm. don't. And it's always the second act. Yeah. And it's the book. Yeah. You can have great music, but if you yeah. don't have a good book in act two, you're, the show's yeah. not going to make it. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that that's what happened on Sunday. You yeah. Know? But I think we should probably, you know, we should probably uh, yeah. move on to the Edward Kerrigan era. Yes. <laughs> Uh, because you know, um, you know, through J.J. Parkey, mm-hmm. uh, who arrived to do the uh, Scott Hunt, who you probably mm-hmm. know, yeah. uh, a director from uh, an actor uh, who was directing Cabaret mm-hmm. in our second season, we were looking for an MC, yeah. and he said, "I know this this guy named J.J. Parkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 he was great at Wright State. Yeah, he'd be perfect." So J.J. came in and did it, mm-hmm. did Cabaret, and he did it a very interesting interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the uh, but then he was working uh, with a, a guy named Edward Kerrigan mm-hmm. uh, and Ben. Uh, on um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. They were doing it in, in Boston. Um, and um, with ART. Mm-hmm. In and, their second space. In their second space. And he said, um, you should talk to Edward. Um, we're willing to take the show to other locations. Mm-hmm. And it's a very small show. You know, yeah. there's only two or three. Uh, well, there's two players and then um, a band, mm-hmm. which you would hire locally. And um, so he said, you know, we're willing to bring it around. And you should talk to Edward about bringing Hedwig to Columbus, particularly during Pride. Um, and so... Um, we this did like in our third season, something like that. It would have been between our second and third season mm-hmm. because he um, well he was he wasn't there for Sunday in the Park. No, no that so um, he did bring they did bring J J Parkey Hedwig directed by Edward Kerrigan to the Garden Theater and it was a big success um, for us you know in a very typically slow period of the year for theaters June is kind of when things are coming to their crawling to their conclusion for this theater season people want to be outside Mm -hmm. they've got plenty of festivals to go to so you really need something with a little bit of punch to 
uh, you know, put the exclamation point at the end of the year, yeah. the season. So that's what that version of Hedwig did for us. Yeah. And so we became interested in working with Edward and JJ mm-hmm. on other projects. So the following, it te- everything in theater takes longer than you think. So even though that was in June, it wasn't until the following year, almost a year later, that we did Tommy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, it's it was a also a, a very important show, but um, if I could just throw in a little <laughs> vignette about the theater and how things you know just keep happening that you are. Um, in, headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Edward suggested um, Tommy. Mm-hmm. JJ would play the lead. And um, so it seemed like a great idea. But I started doing some research. I thought, I wonder if The Who has ever played Columbus. Turns out that they have. Mm-hmm. And they played it right before they became really famous. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a period when they were sort of famous. Yeah. Yeah. And then they became really famous. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I typed in, you know, I Google searched, and sure enough, they'd played Columbus. And then I thought, well, I wonder if there are any photos from that event, you know, because people yeah. post things. Um, it's incredible what people will post, um, the Arcania. Um, and it turns out there was a photo of the Who in Columbus, Ohio. And I looked and I said, that looks familiar. It turns out it's the the fire escape at the back of the Garden Theater. Oh, my gosh. God. Have you never seen that? No. Yeah. You know where it goes up and then there's yeah. a landing right there. Really? Yeah. Wow. And now, how did that happen? That happened because we've since learned that during that period of infamy at the theater in the uh, 70s and 80s, um, it was a lot of the apartments upstairs were um, like a lot of artists lived there. And there was a very famous, locally famous uh, fashion photographer who lived there. Okay. And he he was the go-to person when any of these acts came. Yeah. And he would do the publicity stills. Huh. So, um, apparently, they came to where he was and stood on that balcony. Oh, I'll wow. have to show you a yeah. copy of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, we're going to have to, we have about yeah. 10 more minutes before we have to yeah. take off. <laughs> but but I, I, to sort of, um, we're talking about the early stage yeah. of, of short North stage, and, and so much has happened since then. And, you know, basically. Can I just. I, but, let, let me just. Okay. okay. <laughs> but but basically. Okay. Ed, we don't finish each other's sentences. <laughs> we interrupt oh, one another. Ed, Edward came back to do Tommy, mm-hmm. and he never left. Yeah. yeah. The next yeah. thing we knew. He moved here, mm-hmm. uh, and so he, you know, Edward has has brought um, a, a real. I mean, he doesn't sleep. He's intense, yeah. so intense. He is. He's meticulous. He's a jack of all trades. He's meticulous, except when it comes to cleaning up after himself. No. <laughs> but, but but anyway, we um, and he has brought, um, you know, gradually. You know, he 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 worked on several shows with us. Mm-hmm. He was in a little night music, and he uh, eventually became a artistic director yeah. the first artistic director yeah cuz prior to that we did not have an act, you know a, mm-hmm. a permanent artistic mm-hmm. director yeah. mm-hmm. right so yes and and that all grew out of that those initial Hedwig mm-hmm. and Tommy relationships and as Rick said um, he saw something in Columbus that he wasn't mm-hmm. seeing or feeling in other parts of mm-hmm. the country where he was working and living. And he lived in New York City, but he worked in other places. And he really became very fond of and 
um, sort of a booster mm -hmm. for the theater scene in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And um, and that would have been in like um, 2014, 15, and he's been here mm -hmm. since and uh, was the first artistic director for Shortener yeah. Stage. Mm -hmm. Wow. He's great. Mm -hmm. You guys are going amazing places, and I I love seeing where where everything. You mean goes. on our personal travels? <laughs> well, that too. But but no, our I'm, personal I'm, journeys. I'm, I'm thankful to have met you guys through this process, well. and and just to see where where everything is is headed from there. But yeah, I mean, it continues on, and it's. It's a place that I, there was an, an article posted because you guys now have um, the ability for hearing impaired people to come mm -hmm. in and be able to actually hear the show instead of just trying to get interpretation, mm -hmm. which being the mom of a hearing impaired son, I'm like, yay, mm -hmm. yeah, it's wow. so cool to me. Um, but that's just the sort of thing is like, I'm so proud of what you guys did and what you started. And it's, I obviously you have a sense of pride for what you do, but we get to participate in that too. So thank you. Well, great. Well, and, and, you know, I, we do, we, we um, stepped away. Yeah. Uh, we're still on the board, mm -hmm. but we stepped away from the active management. Yeah. You know, partly it was time, you right. know, and, and you need to turn over the reins to yeah. other people. Uh, but I, but I do miss. <laughs> <laughs> That was um, Michael Licata. <laughs> Michael, no. trying to have a podcast. I'm going to send him a text. Yeah, Gosh, so he would rude. be a great podcaster. So rude, Michael. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, we'll so grab Hopefully he'll be here. <laughs> but I want to say, and that's very nice, uh, you know, to hear you say that, and thank you. But I, we are here on behalf of those 40 people who really yeah. did all the work, yeah. right? I and, mean, and, the and all can... the people beyond that who've been in those early shows, mm -hmm. um, all of it. And I mean, that's, we're just and, trying to represent and, them you know, as it, best it as is possible. A, it is a, you know, we were working 24-7 for eight, <laughs> nine years. Yeah. And it is really a difficult thing to run a nonprofit theater. Yeah. You know, you sometimes you just don't know where the next dollar is coming from, mm -hmm. and it, it will somehow appear. Yeah, uh, you but, try a lot of things but, that don't work out, so you leave them behind, and you yeah. mm -hmm. go on to the next best idea. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you know, like right now, we did, we weren't going to talk about it, but um, I'll just mention one thing that, you know, in an effort to stem the tide and flatten the curve, I guess is the new phrase we're all using about the coronavirus, mm -hmm. um, Short North Stage will not be likely able to hold its current production until, you know, other decisions are made. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's more than 100 people, which is, seems to be the limit. And, um, you know, this will be a difficult time for arts organizations. Yeah. So if you're out there listening and you mm -hmm. can work with the theater company to reschedule your tickets that yeah. you already bought rather than ask for a refund, mm -hmm. or you can just outright make a donation, mm -hmm. all the arts organizations, Tasty. not we just short yeah. stage, and, would appreciate you know, it right and, now. And the, the current production, Young Frankenstein, which we saw and we hopefully will be brought continued yeah. after this hiatus is such a fun show it's so, it's so it's exactly and, and what we need yes, yes. and so and this time yes so yeah. hopefully that that will happen but yeah. um uh, you know again it's a it's it's been a wild ride it's been a great adventure and uh one of the things that we always um uh tell people um is that Short North Stage is one of those projects where I think if you would have asked all the early 
you know, um, adopters of mm-hmm. short North stage, or if you if they would have known what it was going to entail, they might not have started the project <laughs> <laughs> because it was so much more complex yeah. and involved yeah. and and right. and included so much more risks mm-hmm. than people thought. Right. And um, so, a good thing ignorance is bliss, and mm-hmm. it's a good thing we were ignorant. Otherwise, we may have just said after the cocktail hour. Well, that was a that was fun. That was fun, but yeah. gosh, Dodge. And bullets. Right? And you, you should at some point have Edward in if you haven't already. We have tried. Mm-hmm. We, I, I think he and I have scheduled and canceled dates about has, 27 I imagine times. he has some time at his hands now. Oh, yeah, good but that would be wonderful to hear the, the later all about his, the yeah. later history. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be that person. That's what I'm that working person. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someday the shows, why they're today. selected, you know, right. and so on. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thank you so okay. much. Well, it's it's, so much thank fun. you for asking us. It's been a real pleasure. A walk down memory lane. Yes. Thank you. Likewise, and hopefully, hopefully, um, it's great to meet lovely you today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and yeah. hopefully, um, we will be surviving the moonlight, <laughs> surviving the virus. Yes, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, we have podcasts and we have yes. stories to tell, and we're not going to quit doing that. So. No, nope. mm-hmm. not a yeah. hundred people in here. Did you bring 100 people, people in here? People in the background. Oh, you brought 100 people? Oh, we're in big No, only 99. We're good. Hey, thank you all for, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, find us on Facebook and all the other social media platforms where there's no coronavirus. Like, subscribe. Uh, recommend us to other people. Uh, support local arts. Please. Super, super, yes. super important. Thank you for supporting us. And uh, keep being awesome. Watch out for the bath salt zombies. Huzzah! Bye! Bye. Land Media. Think big.